won't catch a manana. Uncle Sam's only man packing katanas. Remain anonymous while I'm leaving remains. Welcome to episode 26 of Upshift, No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks we give you an edge on Essence 20. I'm Ryan Costello, one of the designers of the Essence 20 system, and an author on the G.I. Joe Transformers and My Little Pony role-playing game, Core Rulebooks. And I'm Jason Keeley, a former Renegade uh, product developer for RPGs. Before we I think begin? I cha- yeah, I, I product think I, developer. I think I, I think I say a different title every single time we, 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 have a, we have a thing. Like when you say developer, okay, product developer feels like a completely different thing to me. It does, but that that is, I think, what my title is. Oh, you know what? Um, oh, say the thing, and we'll, we'll go. We'll go into the to the banter. The uh, okay. So before we begin, although we both worked for Renegade on SN Twenty in some capacity, Upshift is not associated with or produced by Renegade Game Studios, and this is not an official Essence Twenty podcast. All right, you were saying. I got my hard copy of Cobra Codex this morning. Oh, sweet! Plus a copy of uh, the Power Rangers Jump Through Time, which I don't remember working on very much so i think i just sort of like lent my leander sort of like gave some advice uh uh to ben who who did the development but that is technically my title is um uh where is it product developer rpgs yeah in the in the list of credits okay all right well i'll take your word for it yeah yeah i just i think that 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 feels like the away from the words side of development Hmm. That's like, fair. You, okay. Yeah. It sounds very software-y to me, you know? Oh, okay. Well, I was just thinking it's like, you're the one contacting the printers and getting quotes. That's more the producer, I think. In the yeah, that makes sense. For Renegade and the Yeah. Well, these are all unregulated every, titles that everyone has like a vague idea of what they mean. Exactly. Every company does it differently. <laughs> right, well, Jason, you wrote the outline this time, so I'm just going to let you take over. What are oh, we talking about yeah. today? Today, we're going to talk about uh, this is a topic you brought up. You, you asked me if I would be comfortable talking about, and we're going to talk about puzzles because, yes, I am very comfortable talking about puzzles. Uh, I, it's something I've been doing most of my life, basically, <laughs> uh, solving them and making them and all sorts of things. Um, so uh, let's talk about how you can use them mid games in your games. Uh, this is going to be kind of, I guess, a more gener- generic topic than anything specifically dealing with World 20. But there is an uh, an excellent couple of pages in the field guide to action adventure uh, specifically about puzzles. I don't remember. I don't know if you wrote that one or if you remember who did. Yeah. So uh, um, it was Ben's assignment, and mm-hmm. I found Ben was saying why to do puzzles, but not how to do puzzles. And so that's fair. I yeah. added to that section, and anything that's the how to use puzzles it was my contribution. Right. Yeah. And it's not. It's not a. Uh, it doesn't go into like super detail about like specifically you know that make this kind of role or whatever but it does go into detail about like how you would use them in your game and 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 why you would use them in that game because that's i think a very important question to ask when we get down to it so we're going to be going through some of that a little bit there'll be some more specifics uh uh that i'll be mentioning and um but you know we'll be whatever's in there uh is well i think i'll probably end up repeating some of it for the most part um and if there's so you want to hear some more experts talk about puzzles there was a PaizoCon 2019 seminar that myself and Joe Pacini and Ron Landine did talking about puzzles. I think it's called Solving Puzzles. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's recorded on the – if that got recorded at all, if that's in uh, the No Direction feed. It is. Let me just confirm right. that it's one that's still on the network. It is. 
Hooray. So it's another thing you can go check out. We talk a little bit more specifically about some some Pathfinder stuff. Uh, and we talk a little bit about our puzzle hunts uh, for PuzzleCon, which we did uh, for several years running. And, you know, truth be told, I might repeat some of that information here today. So um, because, we, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's you know, why, why reinvent the wheel um, in a lot of ways. Um, so let's get started. Specifically, let's talk about what is a puzzle, right? Right. Uh, in the broadest sense of terms, a puzzle is a problem that requires critical thinking to to solve, um, and it can be something like oh, uh, you know, a, a simple code breaking exercise or a more complex escape room like scenario, right? A series of puzzles that end to 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 a final goal. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it, it puzzles are things you need to to be able to, to know what the rules are, kind of go with the rules, and come eventually come to a conclusion. A a sense of progress is very important to uh, making a good puzzle. You have to know you're on the right track and what you're getting to. It's like, for instance, when you're, and I'll, I'll sort of go into some specifics about the categories of puzzles, but when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, when you fit a couple pieces together, you've made progress and you can feel that sense of progress, right? And that's sort of uh, in a way when you, uh, if there's a multi-stage kind of puzzle and you you crack the one step, you, you've you made progress and you know you're going towards the right goal. You just need to continue doing that over and over again, essentially. Um, and sometimes those steps can be obscured. Uh, sometimes they can be uh, not uh, outright told what you're going to be doing. You know, uh, that's sort of like with escape room puzzles, right? You know, you, you know you've got to get out. You know what the final goal is, but you don't know what the intervening steps are going to be specifically until you kind of find that out right now i want to stop you Jim. for a second can mm. you define critical thinking oh that is a good question okay um critical thinking is sort of a, i would say sort of applying the rule rules as you're given to a topic a a way of thinking about logically and sensibly how to move forward right i've i've been told that a plus b equals c and i've been told that b plus c equals d but can I figure out what A plus C equals? I don't think you necessarily can do it in that sense. But like, you know, like, um, you know, you have some steps and you can sort of like work out using logic and 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 reasoning to to get to a final answer, right? Um, and sometimes you need to sort of maybe like uh, uh, think about something and how it applies. You might be given like a small rule and be giving to uh, how to how to extrapolate that to a larger rule set. Uh, essentially, right? Um, uh, before we even started recording, I was doing a Sudoku. And while the most part of the sort of like, oh, you know, you put the numbers one through nine in, in rows and columns and, and, and in each box, there's variety of Sudokus which have like things like, oh, you know, you get a little data box line and the numbers in this box equal 15, right? And then some lots of other sort of variant rules that you can add. And then you can kind of like extrapolate, well, if you figure this out, if you know that that equals 15 and then you know that another box in this another sort of cage and in, in the same box equals 15 then the other three cells uh in that box also have to equal 15 because uh, the numbers one through nine total to 45 and you've got you know two two sets of 15 so you just need another set of 15. so that's sort of that's sort of i guess a good example of, of critical thinking that being said puzzle shouldn't necessarily require specific outside information you don't necessarily need to know all the capitals of the uh the states to be able to solve a, a, a puzzle. Now, sometimes puzzles just sort of rely on this sort of trivia, uh, uh, but a lot of that times so those puzzles allow you to use the internet, right? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, and you could say, oh, I just got to figure out, you know, oh, maybe, maybe you know, you're getting um, a list of things uh, and you have to figure out, you know, the, each list, is, each word in the list is encoded, but you don't know what the topic of the list is. Once you figure out a couple things, um, you go, oh, these are makes of cars. And then I can maybe sort of 
extrapolate from that what this what these other encoded words are. I think, um, you know, the vocabulary is sort of not necessarily considered outside knowledge. I think in a lot of word, at least if you're dealing with word games, right? You're looking at Wordle. You have to know what five letter words are, right? Right. And you, have, you know, that, that's not you know that's just sort of there. And uh, that's an, uh, another puzzle that's sort of coming out daily is a, it's called connections. And on, I've on been playing connections. I connections. sometimes enjoy it and sometimes think it's really dumb. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I have, I have some, um, issues with the way that, no, it's just some issues with somehow sometimes the way those, the, 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 the constructors made those puzzles. Mm -hmm. If you like connections, Ryan, I'm going to tell you, uh, that is, it's vaguely based on something that's part of a, a British game show or quiz show okay. called only connect. They have, um, a, uh, they have basically th four rounds and the first two rounds are basically, I'm going to give you some things and you have to figure out what the connection is between them. Uh, and then, uh, the third round is a wall, like the, like the only, like the connect, uh, connections game, but it's timed. However, you have infinite number of guesses to try to, uh, to, until you get the first two. And then once you've gotten the first two and there's only like eight left, you only have three guesses to sort them into the two things. And then you've got to tell the 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 uh the host of the show what the connections are that you know you, they, they just sort of follow up that's um if you want i guess you know it's a little harder because because only connect is a very difficult quiz show uh and it gets kind of esoteric sometimes <laughs> but you know you can go to a website called PuzzGrid, which kind of does the only connect style connections puzzles and they generally can be quite hard and then also too you got to type it in. anyway um but that works the same way so so that does require some outside knowledge right sometimes you'd be like oh those are you know anagrams of chemical elements or something like that right or, you know or uh the second word and phrases that start with the the word boot or something like that right um so there's that sort of that's sort of outside knowledge but not necessarily trivia knowledge right you don't have to necessarily know the streets of a, a specific city to be able to solve a puzzle unless you've been told that ahead of time right um can i stop right. you for a couple of anecdotes please anecdote me all right so you mentioned uh language how you know sometimes language isn't considered mm -hmm. outside knowledge but i was talking to yeah. amber scott when she had done uh what was the um the the like Arabian Nights style Pathfinder Adventure Path. Mm, that one was um uh, Legacy of Fire. Uh, was there a second one? I feel like this was after Legacy of Fire. Oh okay. Um, was there another one? I don't know. I, I guess the name isn't important. So Amber Scott was writing one of the installments of this Adventure Path, and there was a Sphinx in it, and so there was you know famously the Sphinx right. are known for their riddles, and she was told it can't be a language dependent riddle, and she was like, yes. why? It's like because of localization, because when this gets translated into other languages, yeah. a play on words is almost guaranteed to not work. Both sides of the, the pun is almost guaranteed to not fit together in the same way. And so oh, just if, yeah. if you are writing something for publication, keep in mind that if you are working with language, then you are very limited in how you can use language as an element of the puzzle. Definitely. that The Sphinx's riddles sound familiar, but I can't remember what they're in. <laughs> but that, but I, but that does sound familiar. Yeah. Um, but there's another thing I'll, I'll going to get to uh, when I talk about the categories of puzzles. Is riddles is a category? Is riddles are not puzzles. Um, oh. uh, they are puzzling, of course. Uh, but because you, because they are sort of depend a lot of times dependent on language and metaphor, you can't necessarily progress your way forward, right? They, ha you know, they kind of know the answer or you don't know the answer, you know. Yeah. Um. And so it's a. I mean, you can. Uh, you know, you can kind of maybe sort of laterally think your way through some of it, but I don't consider them puzzles personally. They're they're a different category of thing, and there's nothing wrong with them, of course. But 
they are uh, considered, you know, because because you know because of the language and 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 sometimes they're sort of based in 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 uh, a little bit of the culture of where they come from, right? Like, yeah, when you talk about the famous Sphinx riddle, you know, two legs in the morning, uh, four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, three legs at night. That's a metaphor for a lifespan: morning, noon, and night. Right? Like, it's not literal. And yes. and in that last case, that leg is not a leg; it is a part of a cane. Right? You know. So so it's like you really have to kind of like recognize that there's there's some obfuscation of what is being said here. In a lot of ways, most puzzles are very sort of upfront about what you're doing, <laughs> right? Um, a, you know, a Sudoku tells you, you've got to put the numbers in, in the grid. A, uh, a uh, escape room is, you've got to leave the room, right? You have to figure out a way to open the door. Um, it's not sort of necessarily like, oh, this is actually uh, uh, you've got to get out. You've got to open the door and leave. But that—that's actually a metaphor for opening your mind and accepting, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. enlightenment or something like that, right? Um, so I, uh, uh, and and sometimes they require sort of outside knowledge and sort of maybe, you know, like I said, like you said, lean heavily on language. So I don't consider them puzzles, but they're sort of in a kind of category of puzzle-like things, right? Uh, that does make would... me feel better about something because I actually yeah. feel like I do enjoy puzzles quite a bit, but I hate mm -hmm. riddles. I take them way because... too literally. And I yeah. cannot make that leap to where the metaphor is hidden inside the words. Yeah, no, I mean, because they're just a different, they're just a, mostly just a sort of a, a, a language. It's a magic trick more than a puzzle. You're not supposed you to get go. it until they tell you the answer and you're like, oh. You go, oh, right, exactly. They're they're more, yeah, yeah, revelatory than they are sort of like lateral thinking. I say that because I also get very easily frustrated by magic tricks. They get me every time. I am very bad at figuring <laughs> out how magic tricks work. Uh, well, you're not supposed to be able to figure out how magic tricks work. I think that's the that's the point. Um, uh, the cousin to the riddle is the lateral thinking puzzle. That is the where you're given a sort of the vaguest bit of information. There's a man dead in a room and he's lying in a puddle, um, right? Or you know, not that there's a man. There's George is lying dead in the room mm. and, and in a puddle of water. How did he die? And that those usually come from. Um, and then you have to like you know, ask questions and try to get closer to the thing. And so, uh, uh, and then you find out, oh, George is the name of a fish, right? Like that's, that's lateral thinking, right? You're not, you're, you're, you're led to think that it's a man who's dead, but it's, you know, something else entirely. Um, I always think that's fun is those, um, with a few tweaks, those can be used in, in role-playing games as mysteries. Okay. Right. You, you open the door is it you know the locked door mystery right is is a classic murder mystery right but then you can kind of like tweak it a little bit oh my god there's no this is impossible so in a way you know and, and, and like i say sort of here in the outline like in a way all role-playing game adventures are lateral thinking puzzles <laughs> right you're kind of given a you're given the information that the gm gives you about the space that you're in and you need to you know find an answer or make your way through or whatever it is you want to do to to get to to your goal and you're sometimes you're having a conversation with the gm hey can i do this can i do this what what is this oh let me learn about this and then that leads to a solution which you can be like might not be the you know there's, there's no one solution to it necessarily right um yeah but on that train of thought i do think that's yeah. important in a role-playing game if it's a riddle mm -hmm. or a puzzle like this you have to remember you are like if they see a dead body, you're not going to say you see George. You're going to say you see a dead fish. You don't know that's George. Yes. You have right, to yeah. think of it from the point of view of the characters in the room and not right. the, like, because a lot of the times these word puzzles work on the fact that you are creating the scene in your head based on the words you're right. hearing. Exactly. Whereas you actually need to tell them what their characters would be sensing. A 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't want, as a GM, you never want to like 
obfuscate information unless it's meant to be obfuscated because someone in the world has obfuscated the information, right? It's, oh, that is actually a dead fish because it's he's been transformed. You know, the, the body has been right. polymorphed into into a human body, but whatever. Um, but that, that, that leads down a whole sort of rabbit hole of things, right? Um, a sort of next sort of category of puzzles, the language puzzles we were talking about uh, a little bit, uh, those really rely on specific languages, right? Anagrams, cryptograms, they only really make sense in a specific language. That is a a, a a thing that I think there's a puzzle in Shattered Star, uh, Pathfinder AP, that is essentially like an anagram, but but it's set up as if it were made runes of another language. So okay. <laughs> like so it's like oh each of these runes technically corresponds to a different an actual different letter of the, uh, of a language that can be anagrammed so it in a way it's just you know it's weird it's a sort of a it's fine to do that you know in a in a game as long as you're sort of clear like this is sort of like how you're seeing it in 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 our language or you know our English language as opposed to common or you know whatever the runes are right um, those can be the, these sort of anagrams and cryptograms can work a, a, a obviously better in a, a set in 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 you know a, a GI Joe universe or a Power Rangers universe right because you've, you're dealing with the actual languages right the same languages we're all talking English here if you're playing GI Joe this is a you know a, it might something might be in code right because Cobra's trying to send something in code. Um, that can be a puzzle in of itself to try to crack that code. Now you can go with a simple substitution cipher, which is just one letter for one, uh, which that's the, probably the basis, the, the 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 easiest one you'd ever want to do. But then there's all sorts of ciphers that you can do and twist it around and, and sort of like that. But that works. Those work in 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 very specific ways, very specific instances, right? And yes, absolutely. Make sure you've got everything spelt right before yeah. you start translating it. I have seen too many puzzles where one letter is off and it just becomes not gibberish, but it just, because they see one letter is off, they think they don't have the puzzle right. But yeah. then like in Pathfinder Society, I remember this happened one time and I had to go onto the mm. boards and it's like, oh no, there was a typo and the typo was yeah. before it got mixed. Anyway. That's yeah. tricky. I mean, yeah, they, they can be real tricky when you're, especially when you're doing it in publication. Um, very tricky. I think there is a, a uh, it's a puzzle. Um, in the Power Rangers sort of side adventure for uh, across uh, through the wait uh, across the stars, um, that is sort of set up in a way that has it's very you know very language based, um, and I had to make sure to go through that like three or four times to, to you know this is, does this actually work and then like I think even through the layouts like it it got broken a little bit <laughs> had to fix it before it got sent to printer, um, so it's always pretty tricky. Um, another category is math puzzles, which are sort of uh, can take the form of those sort of like age differences and weighing and hourglass timing puzzles, right? You know the the classic, um, you know, Die Hard with a Vengeance. You've got a five gallon jug of water and a three gallon jug of water. Give me four gallons, um, you know, exactly four gallons, and you know, it's figuring out how to do the math of that. Um, those can be tricky for 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 people doing, you know, for people who aren't good at math. <laughs> I'll be, you know, honestly. Spatial puzzles are your jigsaw type puzzles and other sort of like tan grams, I guess would be kind of not exactly a puzzle, but sort of, you know, playing with shapes. Um, I don't think I've the, ever seen a spatial puzzle used in a role-playing game. Is this it something you've ever seen? Tricky. I actually did uh, at least part of it, something where you are, um, there, it might've been pulled from an old dungeon adventure too, where you had like tiles. You you find these tiles in the dungeon. You have to then put them together. And as you put them together, they, you know, they you had to trace be able to trace a path through them or something like that. Okay. So it became like a jigsaw puzzle basically. Um and I did that um when I was doing it. I was running it for people who I worked with when I used to uh, edit 
uh, logic puzzles and crossword puzzles. So I was like, I know my, this is going to think we're going to get to, but like, know your audience, right? I know your people are going to like this puzzle. I'm going to give you basically like, you know, 18 triangles uh, and you've got to ship them together right there in, in, in the thing. Um, so yeah, so it, it's very rare because that, that those can often be, you know, you want to do this physical, you know, so the, so the players can sort of touch them and move the pieces around. Um, which is the thing we'll get to. Um, uh, uh, another category is uh, the logic puzzle, um, which is the sort of usually in this form of a story, or you need to put things in the correct order, figure out a family lineage. Uh, the, also the sort of, I tell the truth and I, this per one person always tells a lie is also sort of a logic puzzle. Um, those are the, These are sort of, uh, this is the ones I used to do. I did a lot of these <laughs> in my job pre-Paizo. Um, and they can be fun in there, but they can be time consuming if you make them big. Because it's like, here are eight clues, and you've got to say, oh, Miss George did not bring the fried chicken to the picnic. And, you know, it comes a whole thing. Um, now, I would you use on. this as like a series of role-playing scenes where you're actually interacting with these characters? Or would you spell it out as like a word-based puzzle that they have to solve to move on? You could do it either way. Okay. Um, I like that. I, I do like the first idea. It makes it more dynamic, right? And um, at one point, I did... There is um I wrote one of these into my volume of Tyrant's Grasp, where it's a ghost who's like I oh I have these jewels and I have to put them in the right order but my but but my memory's so fractured I only remember these three things and from those three sentences he says you can figure out what order the jewels go in right um so yeah so you put it down into a way I like the idea though if you've got to interview like three or four people um and to get all the information and then eventually piece it together uh this would be pretty fun. Um, and the final one is a sort of a subset of logic puzzles that are called pencil puzzles. That's like a Sudoku, basically, uh, or okay. a, um, uh, uh, there's, there are hundreds of these types where you're shading boxes in a grid or drawing lines. I think New York times is a, uh, one called vertex, which is, you're just kind of like, uh, have a triangle and each vertex of the triangle is a different number on it. And you have to draw that many lines out of it. So there's logically, you have to think through it logically. Uh, so there, but, but the rules are very sort of more rigid than a, figure out who did what kind of puzzle, right? Okay. All right. So uh, now that we have all that uh, base information down, uh, we can talk about the advice, uh, how, how to use them uh, in your games, right? And uh, one thing we don't is that we, context matters. Where is this puzzle? Why is it there? And how do the PCs get past it, right? Don't just throw a puzzle into your game. Okay. <laughs> right. Without the, just like, oh my God, you're, you know, you're, you know, especially you think you're, you're doing a GI Joe. They're, they're, they're going from point A to point B. They come to a lot, you know, they come to a point where there's just a Sudoku in their way. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Right. You've got to figure out a way to make that make sense. Who put it there? Who put the puzzle there? Because they should make sense in the fiction of the world, right? Is this a encryption code so you can get through the Cobra's sets of uh, 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 doors uh, to get to the main base, or you know, or decode something to find out where the Cobra base is, or is it uh, literally just you know, maybe like in the case of like Pathfinder, like a mad wizard um, just decided to like throw put a bunch of puzzles everywhere, and uh, that's the, he likes, you know turning dials around to certain ways. Um, I think, what is it? Oh, the first volume of, uh, you'll remember this, the first volume of War for the Crown. Okay. Is it an escape room? Yes. Deadly right? escape room. 
a deadly escape room. Um, you fall into a space and uh, you've got to figure out, you know, get some keys and, and find all the ways out. And those are sort of hidden in places and, and, and a lot of, you know, and so that makes sense why that's there because it was an, it's an old, uh, whatever it was, um, like a, a like a panic room that got got too old and now you're kind of locked inside of it, right? Um, so so basically, you know, um, you, you just come up with a reason, find out why it's there, and that'll help you sort of figure out maybe what kind of puzzle. Maybe start for why where you are, and that'll help you figure out what kind of puzzle you need, right? Now, I want to throw in something that's always bugged me, and it's from yeah. the Goonies, and I'm curious mm. how long I'm talking about this example before you're like, yes, this also bothered me. But at one point, they have to play an inst- uh, um, an organ. They have to play yeah. the right notes on an organ, or else the whole room collapses, and like the puzzle itself is wiped out. There's no reset. Like, has no one ever done this puzzle before? <laughs> because if you get it wrong, the puzzle is destroyed, and no one can go further. Clearly, no, right? Yeah. <laughs> like... Those big sort of death trap puzzles, yeah, yeah, in movies, they never really make a lot of sense because it's just like who set up all of this time and effort for this way that it's only going to happen once, you either solve it or you destroy the way to solve it. Yeah, I, I consider that falling into the same category as context matters. Like, how yeah. is if this is something to keep you from going into, you know, the reactor room or whatever. Then right. do, does an engineer put himself in a life or death situation every single time he needs to check the reactor room? Exactly, right. <laughs> uh, and um, also, I'm just going to throw out for context matters. I recently participated in something called uh, Puzz Timber, which ooh. was not a great name, but it was a fun activity where every day on the social media of the mysterious package company, they oh, would right. put up every day through September, they would put up a new puzzle. And some of them were the ones where context got in the way of the puzzle. Like one of them mm-hmm. was you were a detective and you had to solve a crime. And part of solving the crime was your grocery list. And it's like, did the criminal know your grocery list? And therefore yeah. was it like, no, it was just another element of the puzzle. And right. there was a story, but you shouldn't be following the story. Like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Like either abstract it or right. have the story an element. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of like forgiveness you can give to like uh, uh, puzzle hunts that come in like paper form, right? Uh, by the way, a puzzle hunt is you know a series of puzzles where you, each puzzle comes with an answer, and then there's a sort of an end meta puzzle where you put all those answers into another puzzle to get a final final answer. Um, and, uh, uh, and sometimes they're just sort of yeah, like abstract. They don't they, the story of them doesn't necessarily need to make 100 percent sense because it is sort of on paper. But when you're in the role playing game environment, you want to make you have your story make as much sense as possible. Otherwise, the people are gonna yeah, your players are gonna get disconnected um there uh the and, and and maybe just sort of get bored with it and that's sort of i guess before we even get should have done first before the context is uh, uh before you put a puzzle on your adventure make sure that you're running for a group of people who will want to do a puzzle right <laughs> uh, know your group and know that they you know do, are they the type of people who are going to like look at this and go i'm out of here uh, uh, even if only one person would enjoy the puzzle out of all the people there, that's not enough. You kind of have to have at least a, a quorum or, or everyone participating in the puzzle to to figure out a way to to uh, 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 make it good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Make it so it's everyone's not bored. Now, on the plus side, at least as far as Essence Twenty games go, uh, puzzles do actually show up in the media quite a bit. Usually, mm-hmm. if you needed a cliffhanger before commercial break, the cartoons would just. Here's a crazy, dangerous situation they're in. Their buzzsaws just come out of the floor because they've said right. the wrong password. What are they going to do? And then they come back and they solve it almost immediately. But it's still, it is a part of the narrative. It is a trope of the fiction. And so yeah. 
you would assume that if you throw a puzzle at your players, they're not going to be like, uh, puzzles. They're going to be like, yay, this is the thing, the like, thing, from the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, as long as you're presenting it in, the, in, in a good way and making it so, and going some of the other stuff we're going to talk about later, um, so that everyone can participate, terrific. You've done it. You've done a great job. Um, so, so to talk about, like, what makes the puzzle good, what makes it important work in a game, uh, uh, you want to have a couple sort of elements. One is a clear indication of what you want, <laughs> what the solution is. Just not, you know, obviously not what the solution is, but what kind of solution it is, right? Or what is the this, solution gets you. Or what the solution gets you, right? Like, am I looking for a five-digit number? Am I looking for a six-digit number? Sort of like, depending on what the puzzle is, that if you don't know the whether it's going to be one or the other, it's going to make things difficult for the for the players. Um, a a a, a and or yeah, like I'm doing this to get through the door to the reactor. Right, you know what you you know what the the end goal is, um, and then you know we have want to have the clues that sort of help you solve the puzzle. Either is it the rules of the puzzle if you sort of lay down what it is and and then just sort of like go at it, or is it like notes hidden around where you've got you know uh, uh, the the uh, the reactor requires a four digit code and there's a workspace there for the for the engineer and if you like piece something and you note that like oh this guy really likes uh you know uh. Shakespeare or whatever, and you can spot that like, oh, he's got four volumes of Shakespeare lying out that are uh, each have a different number in the title or something like that. And you're like, oh, haha. Um, and so you know, like, like, oh, that might be, you know, give you an idea that you've you've you're on the right track. I like the example that I used in the Field Guide to Action Adventure, mm -hmm. where yeah. you find a fish-shaped lockbox, and in right, looking yeah. around the room, you then see a fish tank, and that is the clue that those two are connected. Right, it's a clear connection. Right, yeah. you know, there's there's something going on there. You can look. And uh, this is sort of where we talk about when we uh, have people, you know, when you have players doing puzzles, what are their what are their characters doing? Are they a characters figuring out or are the players figuring out? And you know, you can talk with your your group to like if it's fine if your 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 character who's actually pretty dumb but your players pretty smart can figure it out. Maybe you know work that into the fiction in some way. But also this is where you do the skill checks, right? Um, you say you know like uh, one of the, the other thing that's in the 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 field guide too is like. Um, oh, you need to move some things around. You know, the heavy discs need to be put in place to enter. Then one character is very strong. Might not be as smart as everybody else, but at least can be the strong person to move the disc in place, so the player feels like they're participating in in the solve of the puzzle. Uh, uh, or, or alternatively, just sort of like figuring out what the puzzle is. People like need to make some, you know, smarts checks. Um, you might have some some uh, a smart skill that that, that applies in the situation. Uh, great, have them roll it. You can give a clue out, or or even give them the outright solution if they're not into the puzzle itself right if we're thinking last crusade where he has to spell the name of god and then he it's yahweh so he steps on the y but it's like oh no yahweh starts with a j yes. like that right. could have been a culture check to know like oh but don't forget exactly. just because phonetically it sounds like a y to you to the culture who made this puzzle it would be a j it would be a j exactly um and that's so, so good to the next point we say y'all hey you're getting feedback on wrong answers <laughs> right when you know you're <laughs> on the wrong track is when you've stepped on the wrong square and it collapses and you yeah, nearly, nearly fall to your death, death. <laughs> right, exactly. So you, oh shoot, now I'm wrong. I have to rethink about what I'm doing here and how uh, how that applies to the puzzle. And maybe another sort of skill check is is important. No, I just um, want to piggyback onto that. Hmm. Uh, it's also important to give out of character feedback if there's a problem with the puzzle. Like mm -hmm. if you set up a situation and then you realize they're on track for, towards an answer that is perfectly valid based on the instructions they were given and them going in that direction was not part of the plan it wasn't a misdirect then it's it's okay to step forward and say like i'm just going to interrupt you guys to say i screwed up the puzzle i should also mention this and then 
let them know right. so that they're working with the actual information they should be working right. towards. There's, you know, there's actually two ways to do that too. And then oh. you can be like, do what you did or just kind of like, yeah, that's the right answer. Let's move on. Um, you, you sure. solved it. You, you, and, and that'll, that's always the, the, the a way to make the, the, it'll make the players feel good. Ah, I bested the GM and, and his and nefarious puzzle. And when really it's like, oh, well, I messed up the puzzle and the, you know, what you've come up with is a perfectly valid solution. I do that a lot with riddles, right? Uh, that sort of thing. It's like, oh, uh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good answer. Yes, it's the answer. Um, and it always was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, or just other ways, uh, if, if players are presented with a puzzle, specifically, and we can keep going back to this locked reactor door that requires a key code, right? You know, there's other ways around that besides getting the key code. They can bust the door down. They can hotwire the lock or or find crawl through events uh, that bypasses the door. Let them let let your puzzles be bypassed. I think is an important let, uh, you know the the uh, chance to bypass the puzzle it can exist and should you should have that sort of in your head. But that's sort of like also also in a lot of ways general jamming advice when you have a situation. There's never shouldn't ever be one way to solve that situation, right? Branches. Uh, other ways to 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 get around things and that kind of thing. So there's um, actually a, a side scrolling video game. Uh, I think it's called Trine. They're up to like four oh, of them yeah. now, and the first two yeah. were side scrolling. And one thing that I was really impressed by is that it has really uh, really reactive physics. And so even though yeah. a lot of the time there's puzzles, there is usually a way to just brute force it if you get to a oh, point fine. where you just cannot figure out what the puzzle is. And, you know, it's more satisfying when you get the puzzle done, but it, right. you're not stuck if you can't. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing. Yeah. So you're not presenting a, a roadblock to the players. Oh, this only way through is this puzzle. Um, and then if they, you know, now the ways around it, they're stuck and deflates the game, basically. Right. You know, your session is just going to peter out. Um, gosh, what else? We're kind of going all over the place. Um, uh, I say I put here, you know, language puzzles like, you know work only if they make sense in the right language that you're working in technically I sort of talked about that a little bit um i put avoid puns because puns I, I like puns personally but puns don't work in puzzles necessarily um and they can be real because you have to be thinking the same way as the person who made the puzzle right which is you the gm right that if you're if there's ever a, a puzzle where the the players have to think exactly like the gm mm. that's not a good puzzle um now you can do if you're if you're i don't know i guess though if you're playing like say like a batman game and the riddler is riddling all over the place sure but that goes back to context matters exactly context matters so you can have the pun you know uh there in that sense but that then that becomes a sort of yeah yeah again context yeah um and if you're going to throw a lot of puzzles into your campaign mix them up you know we have you have all lots of different types of languages puzzles and math puzzles and pencil puzzles and logic puzzles and that sort of thing you can mix them up um i would have you know unless you're running a, a, a game that's basically based on i don't know like the witness <laughs> video game it's not going to be a, which is a game that's nothing but puzzles uh okay. then you know you're not going to necessarily have puzzle after puzzle after puzzle um i guess you talk a little bit about like um uh, uh like a, a a a tomb robbing kind of adventure might have a lot of sort of death traps in them, right? Which are sort of a kind of a kind of a puzzle. Uh, and uh, if the players have sort of signed up for that sort of like pulpy kind of adventure, yeah, then you can throw in all sorts of things, right? Uh, but in the most part, you want to kind of use them, like sprinkle them in there, like seasoning. Not too much. Now to go back uh, to the Goonies example. Yes. That was a really tense scene. The characters were mm -hmm. screaming at each other, like a lot was riding on it. 
And I don't feel like I've ever captured that tension that you usually get in the media when they're in a puzzle scene when I'm uh, at a table. It's usually just people reading books and stuff. Like it, it feels very much people at a group, like at a table with papers and pencils and stuff. So how do you really play a puzzle so that it has the right dramatic effect? Um, you know, you know, if you want that extra dramatic puzzle, it can be, that can be tough. I mean, it could have like, it's the same thing as scaring, hmm. having fear in a game, right? Cause I'm in, in both ways, that's, that's sort of like the fear of not solving the puzzle. Can't force it. You can't force it. That's the biggest thing, right? Necessarily. Uh, don't tell people, you know, what their characters are feeling, for instance. Uh, but so you just have to like work your best and uh it might not ever happen <laughs> i'll be perfectly honest right like because you know because you are playing a game and you're removed from the situation whereas obviously the characters of the goonies are in that situation even though obviously they're a movie and blah blah blah, blah. but you know there's always going to be a way to distance yourself from the uh immediacy of what's going on in the story of the game because you're have the paper and the pencils and the dice between you and all that um, but you know, um, I, I mean, there's some like, like sometimes you could use those physical props that'll sort of help with the immediacy. Uh, uh, although, uh, you know, in that sort of sense, you want to make sure that there's not so few of them that no one, that there might be someone who can't get to look at the thing. Right. Um, I think that we mentioned that in the field guide, if you're going to have a handout with the puzzle on it, have oh, one yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Right. So that was a bed uh, contribution, and I really appreciated that. That's a really smart yeah. advice. It is good. I've, I've, I know I've, I've, I've messed that up myself, and just sort of I had like one thing, or you know, like in the case of the one that I was talking about, the tiles. Right. I had one set of tiles, but they were all working. They, they could work together on, on it. So um, um, one time I went to this um, Legend of Zelda themed puzzle event. Like it was a big thing. We were. Yeah, I think the, you told me about this once. Uh, maybe I was. Anyway, so you do like there's three paper based acts to this uh, event and I was there with my friend Will and his brother Alex who is one of the designers of Ultimate Chicken Horse and mm -hmm. he is very good at like he, he's basically got a programmer's mind so he would just look at them and in an instant solve all the puzzles the word-based ones before yeah, any of yeah, us yeah, even yeah. saw it and I was like wow yeah. that I don't even feel like I've participated in this leg of the challenge <laughs> Can, that could be unfortunate because you can have that in a game too, where you just like someone who's solved the puzzles puzzles over and over and over again and can and can do that, right? Um, given give me a you know, you know an anagram, I could probably figure it out pretty pretty quickly. And that's a you know in a way sort of like in that situation where you're like your situation where you're all there to solve a bunch of puzzles together, you're participating in this puzzle hunt kind of thing. It kind of stinks when someone else just sort of does everything uh yeah. but kind of in in a game if if it's like you know oh i've got it that's that that's that time for that character to shine and it's that you have the chance later on in that session or in that you know campaign or whatever to shine a spotlight on everybody else in a lot of ways oh you're playing the character is really good at fighting so you get to fight you have the fights i'm playing the real smart character i get to have the puzzles you know th that can be a sort of a shared uh, uh group um uh storytelling right yeah and that's okay uh but you know make sure that those you know those puzzles don't take up too much time in the game itself so that the person who the one person is doing it is just the only one playing the game at that point right <laughs> yeah so if you wanted to create a puzzle for your game feel free to go out there on the internet and look at what other puzzles exist um i like that your note here is stealing is fun stealing is fun look we do it for plot lines and and npcs and or our own characters when we're making them we borrow uh, 
you know, from Star Wars and and Star Trek and smash it together and get something else, right? Like it's 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 all good for inspiration. Everything is fodder for for inspiration. Um, and really, who's to say that Destro didn't see that same TV show you saw last night and stole sure, their puzzle yeah. for his exactly. castle? <laughs> exactly um and if you know like someone else like if you're presenting a bunch of like say uh, uh riddles and someone's already solved all these riddles because they're in the you know uh, sixth graders book of riddles uh <laughs> uh then um uh, uh fine make that part of the story somehow like oh yeah because you've read that it's all from the same book um you're a big riddle solver um or you can sort of take those you know go out there and get them for inspiration. The thing I was going to mention was that there is a, a puzzle that I put into Troubles in Otari when I was writing it. It's sort of like, to get into the dungeon, you have to solve this puzzle. It is a type of pencil puzzle called a star battle puzzle, where you are basically like, you have, you know, it's like a grid and you have the grids are, is is cut into different shapes. And then you got to put one star in each shape and one star in each column and one star in each row, right? Uh, and, and the stars can't be adjacent to each other. So, I took that idea and just sort of put it the words when you look at the when you when you get to the you know thing where you've got this sort of five by five grid uh with some lines in it and some some you have the buttons to press and you've got to press the right five buttons on there you know to push them on you know, the, the monsters can't be next to each other they don't like them each monster is each in its pen sort of like describe the the concept of the puzzle slightly differently it'll make it seem like a different puzzle as star battle puzzles go it's very easy but I'm writing a puzzle for people who don't solve puzzles necessarily all the time, right. like I do, um, and that's the sort of a thing that we didn't really talk about. Is like, yeah, definitely pitch easy. Definitely pitch the fact that it's going to take more time than you think it's going to take to solve the puzzle, et cetera, et cetera. So, but uh, uh, going out there and and going onto the websites for for the pencil puzzles, uh, a lot of which are um, uh, Japanese in origin, um, like Sudoku was, and just sort of figuring out a way to like. You can do a Sudoku that's based on colors, right? And then you just have to figure tell you know figure out a reason why you have to put the gems one in each column, one each, and it's you know nine different gems, right? You know it it becomes people some people who are familiar with Sudoku will recognize it as a Sudoku right away, but people who don't might be like, oh, I'm sorting gems into nine boxes. It's pretty fun, yeah, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you can answer this, but how do you know if the puzzle is fun and not just tedious? Well, um, eh, because it's different for different people, right? Okay. Um, uh, if it's if it's while well, you're making it, if it takes a very long time to like test it, it's probably too long and probably too tedious. Um, I mean, I find puzzles fun, but someone else might find the exact same puzzle tedious. <laughs> so it's difficult. Um, I think if you want it like in a game, in a game like this, um, play up the the other stuff happening around the puzzle, the Goonies—they're hanging off the edge. The piano's collapsing around them. You know, the the the, the every time they press the wrong note, the, more stuff collapses. That gets it more exciting and becomes sort of takes it out of just figuring out a sort of pu puzzle in a white box, right? In a void, essentially, right? Um, so you know, and and again, also that's that's the sort of thing that also lets other people contribute other skills to what's going on. I got to hang on, whatever. Um, so I, th I think, again, it's sort of context does help with the fun tedious again and, and just a dis description, I think, and, and the interaction of it when it is occurring in the game. 
Now, granted, you might have a bunch of nerds who just like to do a puzzle, and you can just toss a puzzle on them. Oh, the door's locked. Here's a puzzle. Uh, and then just sort of sit back and let them solve it. But <laughs> most of the time, you want to be a little more, oh, then you know, you're know you trying to break into this reactor door, but Cobra sentries are watching, and so you got to do it quietly and sneakily, and you know, in, in a sort of short amount of time, it heightens the excitement of it, I think. Jason, I appreciated this. I, I I know I have an adventure on my schedule, and I think I'm going to incorporate some puzzles into it. I don't think okay. I've done that yet for anything that I've had published, and so it's time. It's you time for it. me to figure out how to make a puzzle and work it into an adventure. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know where to find me. Um, I expect some, some to advice. contact you with it, but probably right at the beginning when I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And then at the end, just be like, is this good? Does this work? Is this okay? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like, if you're doing this for, uh, 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 you know, like publication or whatever, gotta have someone else solve it. Don't just, because mm. you'll, you, if you're testing it yourself, you'll make assumptions yeah. about the puzzle that you don't know you're making, and then you'll get to an answer. You'll get to the answer you want to get to because that's what it is, because uh, you already know it ahead of time. That was the hardest thing to do as part of when you editing puzzles was, all right, I've edited this puzzle once. Now I have to forget everything about it and hmm. kind of come at it from a, like pretend I had never solved it before, and that was always the tricky thing. This is why you pass it around. But you know, we you know we have more than one person doing this for a magazine. You say, "Oh, now you solve this to make sure it's not you know it still works." Well, as it happens, my wife also likes puzzles, so I'll be able to Great. just throw them at her, and she'll be a good judge for if it makes any sense. Cool. All right. Uh, we kind of blew past the banter segment. You've got an intriguing bullet point here. So do you want to move oh. on to that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, as I said, I kind of got Cobra Codex this uh, morning, but we were talking about Cobra Codex last time. And between those two sessions, um, I was, I've was i been playing in this very tongue-in-cheek uh, G.I. Joe game. Um, and so our last session was infiltrating a Cobra retirement home. Nice. Um, and it was like really nice. It was like in the Swiss <laughs> Alps and they were treated. It was like everyone was treated real nice and the meals. And it was like, uh, uh, like they had Zartan coming in to run Zumba classes every week <laughs> or something like that. It was, it was very silly. Uh, but it was like, we have to figure out how to, to join Cobra to get this retirement home in a couple of years. Maybe <laughs> we're all like, yeah, yeah, we're going to come back to this. And we're like, didn't tell Joe, what, didn't tell the, our higher ups. What was it? They were just like, there's, <laughs> okay. there's something going on here. We don't know what it is. Go check it out. And we got there and it was, you know, it was like, this is like, okay, this is too nice. Uh, we can't let Joe mess this up. So we're just going to leave it be. Uh, and then surely uh, there was some nefarious undertones to the whole operation. It was, we were, we, we weren't sure there was, I, I oh. think there was some, like, if you stumbled on it, you got your mind erased, but mm. we, uh, but that wasn't as nefarious as it could have been. <laughs> You were the GM of this, right? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Was oh, who was GMing? I was playing. Uh, I have a couple friends of mine. They okay. were working together, and uh, they—I don't know how they did it, but when they were uh, uh, Tomax and Zaymont, they finished each other's sentences. Oh, wow! It was remarkable. I think I think they must have had like a side text going on somehow. I but it was just amazing, and it blew me away. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> at one point for one of my birthdays, Crystal ran a G.I. Joe campaign. This is even before us in Swanee. This is a uh, yeah. uh, modern age. She had adapted it. Hmm. And she was very good at all the characters. But then there was one time where I was stumped, like, who are you impersonating right now? It's like Tomax and Zaymot. It's like, well, that's that's hard for one person to do one person to, to make it yeah. sound like two people are talking at the same time. <laughs> two people who have identical voices yeah. talking <laughs> and finishing each other's sentences. And you're just sort of like, 
you've got to maybe do like the 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 golem thing where you're like finish start the sentence looking one way and then finish the sentence looking the other way yeah or this was done over a zoom or something oh, okay if she could have like been going left track light right track for which uh speaker oh, comes boy. through jeez that's yeah that's getting getting into it that's not it's not as hard as it sounds okay fair enough i don't know how to do it so it sounds hard to me fair enough i went to a toy show today Ooh, uh, right. a montreal toy con and it was uh it was fun i got to just kind of walk around and play with some toys because mm. like there's the stuff on the table these are like mint in boxes they could be anywhere between the stuff that's really hard to get right now but should technically be on the shelves and stuff like this thing's been in package for 50 years. And so, okay. you know, all the precious stuff. But then under most tables, there's just the bins of the stuff they bought, got off the shelf. It eventually just became uh, taken up space and you can have all this stuff for like five bucks. And wow. so that's actually a good chance to go through and play with some toy lines that I'd never played with. Like I, I don't collect He-Man and mm. there's five or six different lines of He-Man. And so now I finally actually got to play with some of them just to see how they work, how they move around. He-Man... The ones I played with as a kid, he was just a brick. He, you know, his arms would move. They would pop off if you moved them too quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, just getting to play with some of these things that I never planned on owning. That was fun. And I did, uh, I Ooh. picked up a couple of things. I picked up uh, Roadblock that was an Amazon exclusive. Ooh. And the guy was asking 65 which Canadian for something that usually goes for about 40 bucks American. So not bad. And I tried to negotiate it with him. And basically, unless I was going to buy a bunch of stuff, he wasn't budging. Oh, and that's yeah. kind of the thing about these toy shows. These these vendors know exactly what they have. They know exactly what All they're right. worth. And if you want to, you know, you don't go in there looking for a deal. You go in there looking for a precious item. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you walk away with? So I bought three things. Yeah, I bought the roadblock okay. for the price he was offering. Right. Set the roadblock, yeah. Yeah, um, I bought, so... Um, there was a joke called Countdown. He came out in 89, which was a year that these characters didn't tend to show up in media because there was no cartoon at the time or it was the Deke cartoon, so not everyone showed up. And um, uh, the comic by then had such a large cast that Larry Hammer was just not putting in the new characters. But anyway, Countdown uh, was a G.I. Joe astronaut and he came with <laughs> a, uh, a rope and, and a grappling hook, which I thought was super cool. And the day I bought it, my brother tied it into an un like a knot that I couldn't untie on the back of the car. And I was like really upset. And I called my dad for help and he just came in with his key and broke the line. And that oh, was, as, no. that was devastating. And so I've had, I have a countdown in my collection, but I don't have a complete countdown until today. So for the first time, basically since the day that I bought countdown originally, I now have one with an intact line. And uh, I don't know, I've been dealing with some emotions through the day now that I have them. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll, Keep my scissors away from that countdown. And there's one more thing that I bought, which was something that I remember seeing online and was like, oh, if I ever see them in a store, I'll pick up. And then I just kind of forgot it existed. It's this kind of like semi-organic, semi-cybernetic snake. He's called oh. Battlesnake, which I think okay. is a really cool name, except he's not a rattlesnake. He's clearly a cobra. Oh. But yeah, this has become... <laughs> right. So this is going to be some kind of set piece. I had originally, if you kind of look behind me, there's like, a, uh, it's hard to see, but there's like a dome in there. That's my arena of sport. And I was hoping to make him the the monster on the Cobra side that whatever Joe captives right. I put in there are fighting. Uh, he's got no flexibility. Like this is, 
he's rubbery, but I cannot fit right. him in there. So now I've got to figure out what to do with him. He's going to be some kind of set piece, but I like him. He's yeah, it's cool. Definitely got a Cobra personality. He's the right color, which was probably done on birth. Oh, he's got an articulated jaw, but it moves oh. <laughs> millimeters like that. Yeah. Cannot do anything. Uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, McFarland toys, but I don't understand some of the articulation choices they make. He basically produces statues that every now and then can move, but like, um, yeah, like there's one where like, you'll have a soldier that'll have his gun like this and the articulation will let you do this with his arm. And it's like, there's one pose that that arm, look, that that arm looks good in. So why even make it articulated? Weird. Yeah. And I didn't pick this up today, but I did pick it up recently, and it's the new Transformers comic from Skybound. Ooh. Oh, and I forgot to... This was a fun thing I wanted to point out last week when we were talking about Cobra Codex, or last episode. The Rocketeer there, the mm-hmm. perk that gets them to the jetpack is Skybound. And that's named after the comic publisher that for like two years was rumored to be the ones that got the G.I. Joe and Transformers license. But even from when I wrote Cobra Codex to when it came out, it had just barely been officially announced. It was this weird, worst-kept secret in the comic industry that this is who had the, the license, <laughs> and they never wanted to mention it. And, uh, well, we talked uh, a couple of months ago about how there was a comic from Skybound that just had a Transformer in it, and it wasn't announced oh, right, or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they were just building up to that surprise. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so this is the new series. It launches the Energon universe, at least as far as like an officially licensed comic goes now. It's got a lot in common with the animated origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a smaller team and it's really like the storytelling is really good. So even though this is all very familiar to me, like it, it's really engaging. And I'm not someone that has a lot of Transformers comics, so this doesn't carry a lot of weight, but this is my new favorite Transformers comic. This one issue here. It, right, and it's cool. entirely based on the storyteller. The author is Daniel Warren Johnson, who I don't think I've read anything else he's written, hmm. but I, I was very happy with that. Cool, cool, cool. I'll maybe have to check that out. All right. And on that note, I think it's about time we wrap things up. So thank you for joining us for episode 26 of Upshift. If you want to check out more great gaming podcasts, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. If you want to support the network, you can Excuse me. If you want to support the network, you can go to patreon.com slash no direction. Any amount helps. It helps keep the lights on. It helps keep our equipment up to date, our software running, and the, uh, the what do you call it? Where we store all the stuff. Not the the servers. There we go. And keeps the servers, you know, keeps them from being at capacity. And finally, thank you to Word Burglar for the use of Letters from Snake Eyes Part 4. You can find out more at wordburglar.com. Actually, Word Burglar's got a new... Ooh. video out called uh 1980 force and <laughs> it's yeah it's it's presented like it's a toy commercial for the night of 1980 characters in this toy line but they're all like custom vintage gi joes and it's just amazing to watch i've watched it four or five different times because there's also a lot of sight gags that are going on in the video so yeah uh if you like word burglar at all or if you're at all curious what he does besides letters from snake guys this is a great place to start uh, until next time i'm rag Costello. and i'm jason keely riddle me this optimus i could see the like fear in your eyes like oh no 